Live from South Florida, the Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. As we get into October, we'll be able to see the vaccines for children get enough data to be presented for safety and immunogenicity. But when you get to Moderna, it probably will be a few weeks beyond that, maybe into the end of October, the beginning of November. Yeah, so we've had big breaking news today. Uh, speaking of the vaccine and speaking about children, the Pfizer vaccine, as they announced results of their findings that they're going to present to the FDA for approval. They're going to seek approval to have immunizations as young as five years old with what is, I guess, a low dose, like a low dose COVID-19 vaccine scaled down to a third is is what we had been told. And Joining us to talk about all these types of things, somebody who knows a lot more about them than any of us do, Dr. Eileen Marty, FIU's Infectious Disease Specialist Advisor to the WHO. Dr. Marty, so what do you make of this breaking news today, Pfizer on their uh, their study for, for children? Well, good morning, Brian, and uh, I'm very glad that they are able to provide us with these data. Um, and the, the data are that, that are so far available, of course, are very preliminary. They do plan not only to give it to the FDA, but also to publish it in a peer-reviewed uh, journal article so that it is carefully analyzed even before FDA has to make a call on the validity of the data, as they very appropriately will in time. Uh, yes, it, this particular particular age group received uh, 10 uh, as opposed to 30 microgram doses, so that is about a third. There is a, a an ongoing trial of an even younger population of children, actually two trials of, of two younger age groups, and those uh, younger age groups, the six months to two years and two years to five years, are receiving much less, much lower dose of only three micrograms per, per injection, and that's appropriate for their sizes. So um, the, the data is looks promising. They certainly seem very excited about it. Of course, the sad part is that the reason that they're able to conduct these trials uh, so swiftly and so effectively is because of the high number of children that have been infected uh, during the last several months. And, um, and, and as you know, in order to conduct a proper clinical trial, you have to have enough cases. And so uh, that's the bad news part of it. But the good news is that it looks like we may very well have a safe and effective vaccine for school-age children within the next few weeks. Hey, Dr. Marty, potentially dumb question. I'm familiar with lower-dose medications for for children, in some cases, you know, older adults as well, based upon circumstances. I haven't been with vaccines. Has this been done before? Um, well, yes, actually, very much so. We, we, we give different versions of vaccines. For example, back before Shingrex, we had a different uh, vaccine that was actually the exact same product for children and adults for herpes zoster virus. So for children, a much lower dose was given to prevent chickenpox, which is the disease they manifest, and a much higher dose was given to uh, of that same vaccine was given to older adults. Now we have a completely new vaccine, but that's a different story. So yes, it's been done before that we give different dosage. Generally, though, by the you know it takes so much longer. <laughs> it has taken so much longer because we don't have we're not necessarily in the middle of a pandemic and we don't have the kind of pressures that 
that we've had uh, under COVID, um, that part of the entire process is to establish an age range at which a vaccine is given um, in order to to meet the appropriate needs of whatever that particular disease is. So there isn't always a need to have scaled vaccines for different ages, but we certainly do in this circumstance. Dr. Marty, uh, today was to be the day, um, once upon a time, the President Biden outlined for those who had been vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine eight months out to obtain a booster. Well, the FDA uh, has not agreed with that assessment. The the panel, it's non-binding, the full FDA to decide, I suppose, later this week. Do you have any thoughts about the the decision that was made by the panel to recommend a booster for those 65 and older, but not for those under 65? Hey, Brian, thanks for that question. First, let's be very clear. That's not the FDA that that was in the panel. It was a, a, a special advisory group that are non-FDA members that got together to provide their input to the FDA. The FDA will make its decision separately. Um, what happened was that there really wasn't as much data as they wanted to have in terms of net value and safety in the younger age groups for them to feel comfortable as a group making the recommendation to provide the third shot to anyone 16 and over. Particularly concerning for them was young men in the 16 to 30 age group where there has been a slight, really very slight, but documented increase in myocarditis, which results in, in more or less the same kind of myocarditis that you get from getting infected, but to a much lower degree, and no cases have died of it. But still, it's a concern, and they wanted to see more data in that age group. The reason they chose 65 was completely arbitrary, however. The data that had been presented to the advisory group actually showed that it was very clear that people aged 60 and above, not 65 and above, were quite eligible. It was sort of a last-minute decision after the initial vote for a generalized third um, booster was rejected that they pieced together a new question in which the, 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 the speaker, the chairman, said, well, you know, to one individual, well, what age do you think we ought to do? And that person says, well, how about 65? And they'll say, okay, well, let's try, you know, how would we vote for 65, at which point it was unanimous. But the data was good for 60. So you may see that the actual FDA, not, the advi- not this advisory group, might elect to put it at age 60, not 65, based on the current available data. You know what? That's a great distinction because uh, I was reading that same information and uh, and I saw that it was at sixty. Then I saw that the vote was at sixty five, and I was like, "Well, that was weird." Uh, so that that helps tie it. It was together. very arbitrary. Okay. Yeah, it was totally arbitrary. Yeah, understood. We're speaking. <laughs> and so that, that that will probably be corrected by the FDA. Gotcha. Okay, we're speaking to uh, FIU's Dr. Ailey Marty, and all right, so. These studies that continue to come out, the CDC had another one uh, regarding hospitalizations on Friday. Uh, We continue to see that there appears to be an efficacy pecking order. It's been pretty consistent. Whether you talk about the Mayo Clinic, and you also had Moderna, their recent uh, Phase 3 trial reports, that yet to be peer-reviewed that I'm uh, aware of, but unless they're fudging the numbers, that look terrific too. But it looks like there's a real pecking order here where Moderna's held up the best, then the Pfizer and the J&J lags quite a bit. What do you make of all this data? Well, I, 
you know, there's a few different variables going into it. First of all, um, the particular chain of nucleic acids that was selected by Pfizer and Moderna are quite similar. They're not really that different. Um, but uh, whatever differences those are, they might have an impact. No one knows for sure. What is certain is that the uh, dose of the, of the vaccines were different from the get-go, and the interval in which they were given was different. And we, uh, we now have plenty of data showing that an increasing interval winds up giving you slight, you know, to an extent, of course, you can't you know, stretch that out too far, but within a, a certain amount of time, that also gives you a better net outcome. And that might be why we're seeing a hell, uh, that sort of data from Moderna versus Pfizer. The, the J&J, well, you know, I mean, it never had as high an efficacy as uh, Moderna or Pfizer, in part because they elected to make, to market it as a one-dose vaccine. Don't forget that J&J uh, is a uh, replication-deficient adenovirus 26 that, to which the spike has been attached. Now, that, that spike is very similar to the spike that's made in your body from either Pfizer or Moderna, uh, which is good. But remember that that exact technology that was used by J&J and Janssen is the same technology the Russians used in Sputnik, except the Russians gave two doses. They gave a second dose with an adenovirus 5, uh, spaced three weeks apart, which gave them a much higher efficacy. So J&J would have had a much higher efficacy, most likely, given uh, a second dose, just like Sputnik. Amazing explanations here. So uh, one more for you. We're seeing less than half the cases, fewer than half the cases of where we were in Florida about a month ago. We're closing in on two-month lows. Still a lot out there. We've averaged about 10,900 cases a day over the past week. What What is it looking like to you? What do you think is going to happen here? So uh, it really totally depends on how well we can hold the line a little bit longer because uh, folks like you spreading the message and people paying attention, um, a few more people getting vaccinated, more people wearing masks have helped tremendously, plus the fact that the, the, those that, sh that have thrown caution to the wind are the ones that have mostly ended up in the hospital. And there's a saturation of a lot of those individuals. What we're now looking at is that the natural immunity that people get from having had COVID gives them at least three months worth of good protection. Not necessarily much beyond that, but at least good three months worth of protection. So uh, it, 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 it's totally, uh, in, you know, something that we would expect to, to start seeing a downward trend. Um, you may see a little bump up here and there, depending on how people act. Um, but if we all throw caution to the wind, then yes, once again, we can have another large spike. Or if another uh, more contagious variant uh, and more aggressive variant forms, which it can always do. No. <laughs> We're not having that. Just no. <laughs> Thank you. I feel the same way. <laughs> Please don't throw caution to the wind. Let's get F back to normal. Dr. Aileen Marty. Dr. Marty, always a pleasure and, and always truly appreciate the information. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure, too. Take care. You're listening to The Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.